Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you today as we continue through uh, the Gospel of Luke. A few years ago, uh, when my wife was uh, was with child, uh, I don't I don't remember exactly which child it was. We have five children, um, and uh, but we we went on a date, and we we sat down at the restaurant. Uh, and the, the waiter came up to us, a, a high school boy, um, you know, seemed like, uh, you know, maybe junior, senior in high school, uh, waiting on us. Uh, he was very chatty, very friendly guy. Uh, and we, we quick, quickly, uh, we, you know, we quickly learned uh, because of, uh, he, he shared this with us, um, that he was a homeschooler. And no offense to homeschoolers, I, I was a homeschooler, um, so no offense, but, but you could, he was a homeschooler, you know. And uh, the, the, the first way we could tell was that he, uh, he commented to my wife, oh, when are you due, right? Which is just, this is not a safe comment to make um, from a, a waiter. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, we started talking about that. And, and then he, he continued to, uh, to begin to give us some parenting advice. His parents had done such a good job. And, uh, and he shared with us, was sharing with us some of good advice on, that we still use to this day. <laughs> I do not know what he said. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no one likes unsolicited advice. Uh, the, uh, that's kind of the definition. You, you don't like it because no one ever asks for it. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but perhaps you get a pass if you're the son of God, right? Uh, we've seen Jesus. He's at this dinner party, and he's just giving advice, uh, unsolicited. And it's, it's, uh, he's, he's getting a reaction from it. Uh, we saw last week that he went to, on, on the Sabbath, a Pharisee invited him to his home to eat. Um, he, he began by healing on the Sabbath, which was, of course you know, what he wasn't supposed to do, what they were watching for him to do. Uh, he got mad at them and, and rebuked them for that. Um, and then he taught them on, and called out their pride, taught them on humility, taught the, the guests, uh, right? You're, you're, you get here, you're going for the highest seat. You shouldn't go for the highest seat, you go for the lowest seat. And today uh, in our text, he turns to the host and he's gonna give uh, his, his advice um, to the host and so uh, let, let's take a moment uh, and, and we'll pray. Um, the, the outline for today is, uh, is first, Jesus' party planning guide, right? Some practicals. Uh, number two, uh, rejecting the kingdom invitation. Number three, bringing outsiders in. Uh, we'll have a couple applications at the end of the sermon as well. So let, let's uh, take a moment to, to pray. I'd like to give you a moment just in your seats to again go before the Lord uh, and, and ask him to open your heart to speak to you, to hear whatever uh, he wants to say today. Would you pray also for me that I would be faithful to God's word and I would be helpful to you? Father, you know that we need you. You know that we are distracted by many things. Um, so whatever it is, Lord, in our hearts that, that would keep us from hearing from you, uh, would you would you just demolish that barrier? Would you take it away? Any, any way that the devil wants to come in and snatch away the seed of your word from our hearts, would you not allow him to do that? Whatever's... Uh, stealing our attention, uh, whether it's something 
suffering in our lives, some trial, some decision, whether it's something so trivial that we shouldn't really be concerned about or thinking about, but we just are, would you, would you help us? Would you open our hearts? And would we not only understand your word, but stand underneath your word, submit to you, um, and, and find you here? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First, Jesus' party planning guide. Jesus' party planning guide. We continue at the awkward dinner party. Um, having critiqued the, the guests, he turns to the host and he says this. He also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame or blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So he says here, at this dinner party with all of these rich neighbors, uh, when you give a party, don't invite the, these people. <laughs> don't invite the rich neighbors. Uh, but instead, invite those who can't pay you back. Right? That, that's, that's the main distinction here. Don't, if you invite someone who can invite you back to their house, if you do a favor for someone who can do a favor back for you, from you, then you've, been, you've received your reward. But he says, if you invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, if you invite those who, who can't ever hope to repay you, then God will reward you, right? God will reward you in the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I, just like last week, uh, as Pastor Dale said, I think rightly, uh, I don't think last week Jesus was trying to, to help the guests not to be embarrassed, right? He's not trying to help the Pharisees learn how not to be embarrassed at a dinner party. He was getting at their pride, at the heart of their sin. I mean, the same way, I don't, I don't think he's, he's actually giving this guy just some you know, helpful party planning tips. I think he's getting at the heart. He's getting at, at the Pharisees' tendency um, to, to use meals to build their social capital, Right, to invite those who, man, it looks good on me if this person comes over for dinner to my house. It looks good on me if I can go, if I can invite this person to the Astros game because they have a box and next time they'll invite me to the Astros game and, it'll, and then we'll be able to post on social media. They didn't have social media back then, but I'm applying it, you see. Uh, right, this was what the, the, the Pharisees did. They, they focused on, on image, on status. They, they were worried about what people thought of them how they were perceived. And Jesus says, this is a big problem. Right over in John 5, he says, I do not accept, my, I do not accept glory from people, but I know you, he's talking to the Pharisees, that you have no love for God within you. I've come in my Father's name, yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe? Here it is. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? How can you believe? There's a barrier to belief in the Pharisees' hearts. And it was this, they, they, God weighed less to them. His opinion weighed less to them than the opinion of man. They, they feared people more than they feared God. And it was a barrier to belief. How can you believe if, if this is you? I wonder if... if in here, there's there, someone, someone here has the same thing, the same barrier to belief. How can you believe? 
If you think what's what your friends at school think about you matters more than what God thinks of you. If you think how your coworkers see you, how your family sees you matters more than what God thinks of you. God weighs less than man for the Pharisees and it, and it keeps them from, from believing. They, they can't, they, 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 they're not believing the reality, the God who is there, right? The one who sees us all, who knows us all, the one who really matters. And they, they disregard him and instead lift up man and man's glory. And Jesus critiques him for this. But that, that critique brings up something else. Uh, and this is rejecting the kingdom invitation. Verse 15, he says, when those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Right, Jesus had said, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And this triggered, you know, word association, I guess, in, in this, this person sitting at the table. Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Which seems like a good thing to say, doesn't it? But I think from, from the context, from Jesus' response, we can, uh, we can learn that this is not a, a sincere, uh, <laughs> you know, humble statement. This is a self-serving statement. This is a self-satisfied statement. This is, I think he's saying, blessed, isn't it gonna be wonderful when we're all sitting at the table of God together? Right, this, this table is a foretaste of the kingdom and so Jesus tells him a story in verse 16. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come, because everything's now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married and therefore I'm unable to come. All right, so, so this story Jesus brings up. So what's, what's, what's he saying here? There's a little context that I think is helpful. You can tell first, these are, these are wealthy people who he's, he's invited. Uh, the, 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 the first invitees are well-connected. They have money. They have five yoke of oxen. They have lots of land. Um, there's, there's also here the context of a double invitation. This would have been very common uh, in the first century. There would have been, a, the servant would go out and say, you know, weeks before the party, say, hey, there's gonna be a banquet. You're invited to the banquet. Right? And the context is everyone who, who's invited said, okay, great, we'll be there, right? This, you, a great banquet? That's wonderful, we'll be there. And then there would be another invitation because, you know, there's no electronic communication. You can't get an Evite. Uh, you, you know, you can't put it on your, on your uh, iCal. And so uh, there's be another time when, when everything was ready, when, when the, the resources had been gathered and then the food was there and everyone, the, the place was ready. Then there'd be another invitation. Okay, it's time to come. Come on in. And, and so the, the servant goes out to make this second invitation. Those who've already accepted, say, hey, come on in. It's time for the party. And, and, and the servant receives all of these excuses. And, and if you just look at them, they're lame excuses, right? Just look at them. Uh, the first one said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Oh, the field's not gonna be there Tomorrow? No, sorry, I gotta go see it now. You didn't look at it before you bought it? Of course you did. 
right? Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. You didn't test your oxen before you bought them? Are they gonna be there tomorrow? Like again, it's a silly excuse. Another said, I just got married, therefore I'm unable to come. You might think, well, that's a legitimate excuse. Uh, but but and there, there was in, in Deuteronomy, there's a provision for, for uh, you know, Jewish men would, wouldn't have to go to war when they had just gotten married. Or they could stay home and, and uh, start their families and not go risk their lives. Uh, and so what, what's, what's he saying? He's, your banquet, I might die there. It's a risky banquet. I got to stay. And no, like what? Th- these are all lame excuses. It almost seems a coordinated effort to shun the host, right? To, to disgrace him. And what, what's Jesus getting at at the store? What's he, what's he starting to say? What's he trying to say to them? Well, we've seen in Luke, Jesus has come and he's preaching what, the good news of the kingdom. This is what he says, right? It's necessary for me to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. This is, I was sent for this purpose, he says. He, he, he told his disciples, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. He told the Pharisees, if I, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then the kingdom of God's here. He's just said, what is the kingdom of God like? What can I compare it to? Leaven, like a tree, right? He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And what has the response been? Rejection, right? Israel has in large part rejected his messages. They, They don't see what's happening. They don't see what's happening right in front of him. Right? He says, blessed is the one who eats bread in the kingdom of God like it's something far off when the king's there. He's saying, come on in and eat. And they go, oh, I, got, I got other things to do. Sorry, kind of busy. I think some, sometimes it's easy for us to do something similar. I, th- I think it's easy for us to say, blessed is the one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Right. Oh, heaven will be wonderful. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be, that's great. I'm so glad I get to look forward to that. Heaven will be wonderful. But then what do we sometimes do? We reject the one who calls us now, who calls us into his, yes, coming kingdom, but also present kingdom to, to allegiance and obedience and, and, and uh, faith. Right? He, calls, he calls us now. And so we can say, yeah, oh, we can raise our hands in church and I love the, love the Lord. I can't wait for heaven. It's gonna be great. And then, but, oh, he asked me to deny myself on Monday. <clears throat> I, you know, Lord, I, I've got some other things going on. I my, <laughs> just bought a field. Sorry. I don't miss the call. Oh, don't miss when, <laughs> the call when it comes. When he calls us, he invites us in. He invites us into his kingdom now and into eternity. The story continues, and this is bringing uh, outsiders in. In verse 21, the servant came back and reported these things, these, these uh, rejections to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Master of the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges, make them come in so that my house may be filled. 
For I tell you, not one of those people who are invited will enjoy my banquet. A servant comes and tells the master. The master's upset, angry, rightly so. He's been, he's been shunned. Uh, everyone uh, has, has rejected his invitation after they accepted it initially. But notice he doesn't say, banquet's off. We'll do it another time. He says, no, it's happening. Like, servant, get out, go out. Get anyone you can find. Bring the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. Bring them in. There's kind of two rounds. That's the first round. And commentators uh, kind of point to that this, this represents Israel and, and the, the low of Israel, the least of Israel. All right, Jesus has been rejected by the leaders of Israel, by much, many of the people of Israel. But who's, been, who's drawn to him? Who's been coming in? The poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. He's been making the blind see. He's been making the lame walk. The prostitutes, sinners drawn to him. Right, the low, the least, they've been coming. And then there's a second round, right? The sermon says there's more room. We, we've got everybody, but there's more room. And so the master says, go to the highways and hedges. Go find anybody. Get outside the town, whoever you can find. And commentators point to that this probably means the Gentiles. Right? Those far away. And we've seen this already in Luke, the, the seeds of this, the centurion servant. Right? There have been some Gentiles already interacting with Jesus. Of course, in Luke's second volume, the book of Acts will expand this much further. Right, that the gospel doesn't stay just with Israel, just with the Jews, but it goes to the world. Israel has rejected the Messiah, but, but the gospel's gone out to the whole world. And th- th- this last verse, verse 24, you can't tell in the English, but, but the, the, the word you, uh, for I tell you, it actually turns to, to plural, Right, it's a plural you. So, uh, in the, in the parable, the master is just talking to, to one servant, um, and, but but in verse twenty four, it says, "For I tell you, and he's, for I tell y'all." Right, here's what I'm saying, y'all. <laughs> and and it, what it is is Jesus. It's almost as Jesus is, is stepping out of the play. The narrator steps to the edge of the stage and informs the audience what's happening. Right, he steps almost out of the story. He is the master, and he says to those people that's sitting sitting at the table with him, "For I tell you." Not one of those people who are invited will enjoy my banquet. And I think he's saying the banquet at the kingdom of God doesn't look like this table actually because you have rejected me. You've rejected the invitation because of your pride, because of your self-exaltation, because of your status seeking and people pleasing, because you love the glory that comes from, from man more than the glory that comes from God. You won't be there. I'd like to, to share in our, our remaining time three applications from this, this text, three things that just stood out to me. Um, how, how, can we, how can we live out this text? How can we obey what God is calling us to here? One, and the first is to embrace diversity. Embrace diversity. Jesus, he is planning a party, right? He is planning a party. We saw this in Isaiah 25, uh, two weeks ago, right? The Lord of hosts on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. 
right? And this is the banquet. This is the banquet in Jerusalem, the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is when everyone, all peoples will be gathered together. And the table, when we learn from our text, the table in the kingdom of God is the most diverse table there is, right? Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame, people from the highways and hedges, the homeless and mentally ill and disturbed, the good and the bad, all types of people at the kingdom of God and at the table. And I wonder, are are we comfortable at this table? I think we need to remember and we, we can remind ourselves we are part of the global family of God across time. Right? Christianity is not an, an American thing. It's not a Texan thing. <laughs> right? It, this is a, it didn't start here. Uh, it's a global f- phenomenon. Right? It's a global uh, family. Right? In fact, it's not even, even uh, the, the, the center of global Christianity has been the West for many years. But by 2050, you know, people who study these things are saying that the, the global center of Christianity will be Africa. Two out of five Christians will be African if trends continue in just a few years. Praise God. Right? We are part of a global and a diverse family of believers across time. And there's a lot of talk about diversity in these days, right? It's like a hot button issue. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it is unhelpful. Uh, but, but Christians actually have the best basis for diversity, We actually have a basis because every person, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, whatever's happened, you were made in the image of God and you can be redeemed, right? You've fallen from grace, you've you've, you've rebelled against God, but you can be redeemed through the blood of Christ, right? Whoever you are, we have this great, this great, a real basis, actual basis for diversity and unity together. And I think there's always a danger. There's always a danger in every church um, that we will have, have, have an un, unhealthy ingrownness. You know, like an ingrown toenail. That, that, that we would so insulate our lives that we never cross paths with those outside of our socioeconomic level, out of our culture, or our perceived social status those who don't live in the right neighborhoods or go to the right schools or shop at the right stores, whatever, whatever's important to us. And we can be so worried about safety, right? That we just huddle up. And so, so I don't think we should pursue diversity in a false way, but, but I think we should humbly welcome every person in our lives, in our church, regardless of who they are, recognize that we can enjoy them and learn from them and love them because Jesus himself loves them. He loves all of us. That's number one, embrace diversity. Number two, go to the lowly. Go to the lowly. We are servants of Jesus, right? He's our king. He's our commander. Like get out of theology, you know, philosophical land, like, He's, he's our king, right? We, we obey him. We obey what he says. And who is he sending us to? Now, it's not wrong to go to everyone. It's not wrong to go to rich, the rich people. I don't think Jesus means here, hey, are you eating after church with your, your family? 
don't do it, right? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think he's saying you can exclusively only eat with people who can't repay you. No, no, but, but, but and Jesus himself here is eating with Pharisees. It's not wrong to go to everyone, but who should we prioritize? Who should we prioritize? And it seems based on this text and based on Jesus' ministry, Jesus is sending us to the outsiders to bring outsiders in. Paul says it like this, do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. All right, another one of those commands. So who are the outsiders? Who are the lowly people in your life? Who, who, who do we forget? Who do we overlook? Who, who feels left out, excluded, not valued in your circles, in your world? It's different for everybody, right? Who, who doesn't help your social capital, your social status to be friends with them? Like people saw you at Chick-fil-A with this person, oh, who can't repay you if you have them over for dinner or take them out to lunch? Who can't do you a favor in return if you do a favor for them? Maybe it's some certain neighborhoods. Never drive through them, don't even know they exist. Maybe it's nursing homes. There's nursing homes dotted all over our community. Do you know who they are? Do you know who's there? Refugees, at Abba's house, we, we serve in our church, we serve Abba's houses, they serve refugees. International students, I, I don't know, who, who are they? Who's easy, easy to overlook? Students, I think this is a great question for you. At school, who, who do you overlook? Who's easy to overlook? Who's sitting at that lunch table by themselves? Who's just, man, they got their hoodie on and they're just trying not to be noticed. They just want to be left alone. Who are the loners? Jesus calls us to the outsiders. Right? And not in a way that we would be seen by others and be praised. Can't we do that? No. But in a way that no one, no, our left hand doesn't even know what our right hand is doing. And but we're seen by our Father in heaven and we will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Go to the lowly. Lastly, go to the lost. Number three, go to the lost. Uh, this is verse 23. The master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. And if that's not a verse about missions, I don't know a verse about missions. <laughs> right, go out, compel them, make them come in. Right, who are the outsiders in the context of the world? Who are those far off in, our, in the context of, uh, of the globe? Unreached peoples. Right? Billions and billions of people around the world who have no access to the gospel of Christ. It's easy to overlook them, isn't it? It's easy to forget them. It's easy to even just not even know the, about them. It's easy to think it's such a big problem. There's no way to, nothing I could do, no way to help. But brothers and sisters, there's still room at the banqueting table. 
The house is not full. And, and our Lord has called us to go out and to compel them to come in. billion souls in India, mostly Hindu people, 2.3% Christian, 232,423,000 Muslim people in Pakistan, unreached, 1% Christian, 168 million, 650,000 Muslim people in Bangladesh, 0.4% Christian. 121,295,000 Buddhist people, primarily in Japan, 2.2% Christian. 800 or 84,565,000 Muslim people in Turkey, 0.6% Christian. 40 million 983,000 Muslim people in Afghanistan, 0.02% Christian. That rounds to zero. That rounds to there are no Christians in Afghanistan. 40 million souls. Right, and that's not all of them, (laughs) right? You can go look it up. Billions of people. And have you thought of this? Have you thought of this as a command? Right, well, what if the servant, right? He says, hey, master, we've brought all the lame, all the maimed, all the blind, all the poor in. They're all in. And he says, well, go to the highways and hedges. Bring everyone in, then my house can be full. And the servant would have said, oh, that's kind of far away. You know what? I'll just keep, I'll keep looking around town. Maybe there's some more people here. Goes out and does that. What is that? It's disobedience, isn't it? But how, how are we different if we hear the Great Commission? Go make disciples of all nations. And, we, and there's nations that don't have disciples. And we don't go. There's different ways we're involved in this. As a church, obviously, we support people. We support missionaries. We go, we, we give. Right, will you hear from Jessica at the end of the service? Jessica again, she's at, in Japan. She's at 80% funded and we should just get her to 100? How can we be involved? Highways and hedges. And you might think, well, what can I do? Can't God, can't you just use someone else? And of course he can. (laughs) You think he needs us? No. But he invites us. He invites us into his mission. He commands us. Embrace diversity. Go to the lowly and go to the lost. And you you might ask, and rightly so, how, how, how will we get the power How will we have the patience and the compassion and the courage and the strength and the wisdom, resources we need to do this? And I think we need to remember 
Right? I think it always comes back to this. We need to remember, Paul says in Ephesians 2, so then, remember, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Do you realize when Jesus said this, who was, who was the highways and hedges? Who were the ones far off without God, without hope in the world? Us, <laughs> we're around the world. And, he, and isn't it, that's true of each of our lives, isn't it? Where were we? We were without hope. We were without God in the world. We were outsiders. We were enemies of God. We were rebels. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right? We were outsiders and we were brought in his blood made the way, made the way for us to be forgiven, to be freed, to be joined to this new family, to be, to be liberated and given new life in this new kingdom where we serve our king. And so may God stir us up and may he send us out to the low, to the least, to the ends of the earth, to all the world so that his table may be full. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word and how you challenge us. We thank you for your grace or that you would love us, that you'd pursue us. What are the chances that we would know you? What are the chances that 2,000 years after this was written down that we would be here hearing your word? but you've loved us, you've revealed yourself to us, you've called us to yourself. Lord, would you help us? We are so weak. Lord, we have trouble remembering even the simple things. Lord, don't let us be distracted by the world. Don't let us be distracted by sin. Don't let us be distracted by really great things and miss out on your kingdom and what you're calling us to. Lord, we pray for the world, for the countries we mentioned, for India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Japan, Turkey, Afghanistan. Lord, would you have mercy? Have mercy. Lord, raise up millions and millions and millions of your children who obey this call and who go send dreams and visions prepare people's hearts would every missionary in one of these places today have a conversation where someone comes up and says I had a dream about Jesus do you know who that is shine your light into these dark places as only you can. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name.